welcome back to the School of Cast Saints with Tim and Jacko. It's another podcast session, and it was featuring me, Jacko, and somebody else. Otherwise, yeah. it wouldn't be that interesting, unless it was a Q&A, which would obviously be amazing. I was going to say, we do loads of interesting ones, but it's just me. We haven't for a while, we'll bring those back. But this time, we've got, um, having butchered this intro about five times now, <laughs> we have got Coach Seth, uh, Seth Bear on Instagram is, uh, you know, he was one of the first coach that came on board with us all those uh, years ago and uh, a lot has happened in the last uh, couple of years certainly the last uh, year or so since he was first on the podcast and introduced to you guys he's been doing a lot of coaching um, online as well as in person classes and workshops with us um, and he's actually out in South Africa and got himself married yeah, it's been an eventful time for him. So we opened this one up and we said, let's not have a strict agenda. Let's just three coaches with love for calisthenics, chew the fat a little bit and see where we end up. And there is a, we were warned at the beginning about going down a rabbit hole, which we completely ignored and went off on a tangent. It's a fairly philosophical look over just general attitude towards training life. What does a healthy balance look like in life and how can we sort of go around um, making sure that we get adherence to our training programs, but also um, building consistency in all areas and not necessarily becoming fixated and obsessed with chasing goals um, that we have in calisthenics, which is not a bad thing. It just needs to be placed in a little bit of context. Yeah, well, I hope that this, the, the main takeaway as you listen to this is just take soak up the bits that, that, that resonate with you and, and take, take that opportunity to be encouraged to take a step back understand yourself a little bit better and how training should fit into to your life um, and hope that you're encouraged to do that. It's so, a bit of a reflective self-awareness yeah, piece, isn't it? Exactly. If you can if you can embrace that as we go through, I think you'll get an awful lot out of this podcast. I know I personally did some own, I did, I did some counselling to myself as well yeah. as Seth counselling. If me. you get to the end of it and go, okay, great, that was good, guys, 45 minutes in, but how many sets should I do? <laughs> <laughs> Send us a message and we'll, um, we'll educate you. Um, so... Other than that, it's uh, time for you to sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy another podcast with Tim and Jacko and Coach Seth. So, Seth, welcome back to the podcast, second time on the podcast for Coach Seth. Thank you, guys. I'm glad to be back. You've been away, you've had some time in South Africa, yes. but um, you are back in the UK for a while, so we thought we couldn't miss the opportunity to get together and have a bit of a chat, and we're just going to throw us a bit of a round table. We sort of haven't got a strict agenda on what we're going to go through, but just open the floor, see where the discussion leads us, and just have a proper catch-up over some coaching calisthenics conversation, and you like that alliteration, Jack, don't you? Certainly, <laughs> I love it, yeah. alliteration. And it's been, um, I, I can't remember exactly how long, but it's been a while, and there's been um, a lot more, everyone has done a lot more coaching and there's been yeah. a lot more going on, like how yeah. we've sort of updated some of the processes we, we, we coach by and go through, the online coach that you've been doing, working yeah. one-on-one with clients compared to working in the workshop. So I just want to sort of open um, all of that up and the uh, uh, anything that we've been learning over the last sort of year, last two years of, of how we're helping people to redefine their impossible. Yeah, I'm excited to see where we get to and we're slightly nervous as well because when we go down a rabbit hole uh, we're kind of going to expose ourselves so if you're listening in you're going to see where we get to when we get into these chats see a little few bunnies <laughs> nothing wrong with the rabbit hole <laughs> just, uh, just let's try and get through more than one rabbit hole because <laughs> my option is sometimes in a Q&A that I'll spend 40 minutes in one, one hole and people have like it's enough of that now Tim yeah 
So this is an exclusive look into what, what, what kind of conversations we have on the team uh, behind closed doors and then we test it and we see and often we're wrong, but we are <laughs> constantly refining and it's kind of like the culture behind the scenes on coaching at School of Calisthenics that we are trying to sharpen our skills uh, constantly. Yeah, and let's just first pick up on that then, the fact that it's, it's like a bold statement say often we're wrong and I think we often get too... Um, as, as someone when we're training we're trying to learn something new we get too bogged down in worrying about doing something wrong and wanting it to be perfect that actually we forget the process of of learning that when you if you know what's wrong then you've got a much much better idea of what's yeah. right and there was um, one someone on the workshop on um, on Saturday said you know, he wants, you know, I think it was his handstand. He was looking at some, his, his press from Frogstand. He wanted it to be perfect. And I just sort of had this relatively strange conversation for him around the fact that I wasn't like, yeah, it needs to be perfect. And I was yeah. just questioning him about why does it need to be perfect? What is perfect? Is What's the context of yeah. perfect compared to his perfect? Is that going to be different to my perfect? And it's it's not, we talk about it sometimes black and white. Yeah. And that idea of of wrong not being a bad thing. Yeah, definitely. I think it can be such a liberating thing to be okay with being wrong and, and not being perfect. Um, and if we can get ourselves to that place, whether we're working with a client and helping them to get to that space or just in our own training, it can really help us with adherence to our training because we don't beat ourselves up. We then don't run away from the gym, but we can find ourselves back at the gym more regularly um, once we can conquer that little mountain. Yeah, tell us uh, then um, about, you've had a couple of clients that have, I mean, some of them that are doing the online stuff with you, um, <laughs> learning stuff quickly and like yeah. some of the, I mean, I'm trying to think of some of the guys off the, off the top of my head that have um, been like human flags, muscle-ups, like, you know, far, far, far quicker than I ever learned. Tell us a little bit about some of those journeys people have been on. Yeah, definitely. I think... Um He's going to love me saying this, but I like Stephen Morton, a uh, Scottish guy. He's uh, fantastic and he's trusted me with everything that I've ever given him. And like his starting point was nothing spectacular compared to other people. He's not come from a professional sports background. He's not like this genetically gifted person who just gets it the click of his fingers. But he's just done everything so well and his mindset is remarkable. Um, he's probably one of the best people on mindset. He's actually just recently um, had an injury from playing football, but his mindset of how he's keeping himself training and adhering to a program that I've given him is just just amazing to see. Um, but that has paid off big time for him. I mean, he got his muscle up, a frog stand to handstand and a human flag all in one program. And is, I mean, I've got, there's been some really impressive clients. I've got to say, I've probably got the best clients in the world. <laughs> I think at School of Calisthenics, we've got the most amazing community and just incredible people. Um, but I've never had someone kind of go all three movements that I'm like in 12 weeks, is it even possible to do those three in 12 weeks? And um, he did an incredible job. Um, and he's still refining those, you know, like a frog stand to handstand, you know, like Jacko said, when is it perfect? At what point uh, do you say you've graduated from that? But 100% he did. Um, and he's still going strong. So what was his, just to give us some context of what his starting point was. So um, of basic sort of strength for people thinking, well, um, is he was is his starting point anywhere close to my life? How many pull-ups could he do? How many yeah. sort of push-ups or dips? Or just a little bit of context around where his strength 
requirements yeah, for that? Like the normal guy in the gym, I think, I think um, eight to 10 pull-ups, um, eight to 10 dips. Um, it's probably been following a reps and sets kind of pattern. Um, like most people get to that point, consider themselves fairly strong. Uh, human flag had nothing at all. Um, mobility, there was some real big restrictions in there for him. And he's been working diligently on those. Um, handstand work, you know, you could frog stand, kind of transition out, um, but lose uh, balance from there. Um, but re- realistically, it was nowhere, it wasn't higher than anyone else in a particular way. And um, I've had some clients come in the past that actually, they've come to me and they've already got the handstand, they've already got some real good strength in overhead pushing. And therefore getting them a handstand push up is relatively simple to program for. They just need a bit of guidance. Um, but his programs, and, and he was on the option two online coaching, which meant that I could do video analysis, could give feedback to him. We could constantly adapt the program and change it depending on his fatigue levels. Um, and it just worked perfect. And he absolutely flew through the program. I think he's on his uh, third program now uh, and he's still doing amazing. I think that's one of the big things about when we talk about coaching, that's exactly what it's about. Coaching is about individualizing and making programs specific to the needs of the individual who's using them. So that's the real kind of thing that you've got that option and flexibility to do. But there's still a certain amount of work where someone's got to go away and do the, do the hours, right? They've got to go and yeah, put the reps 100%. and sets and they've got to go and do the exercises. And I think back, it's through you, you talking through it, when I've seen athletes over the years that have, have done the similar sorts of things, got really good improvements and those that sometimes haven't got what they potentially could have got it comes down to consistency and actually just following a plan like and that and that's the thing of of of, um of people just being a little bit you find sometimes it's the people that just take that sort of stuff they go just tell me what to do and their natural Mm -hmm. mindset or personality is very diligent and they're just going to do what they're told and they're going to follow it to letter and if it says four reps and five sets and a a whatever tempo (laughs) you better believe that's what they're doing yeah do you do you find that that is consistent with what you've seen with online um, coaching clients and, co- and clients in general around sort of people getting adaptation because I know I'm guilty of being a kid in a sweet shop with calisthenics and that's often the reason why I don't progress sometimes is because I'm literally doing a lot of everything with no consistency I'm, I'm, I mean don't get me wrong I'm having a great time but I'm not actually <laughs> moving towards where I want to be I thought you meant you were just putting on too much weight because you're eating too many sweets <laughs> listen I'd love to say that I practice what I preach as well but I mean part of my job as a, as a coach is to give people what they need. And I mean, up, up to a point, I try and follow these principles myself, but like you just said, Tim, I don't always keep to them perfectly. Um, oh, man, I, I need a coach. Like, I, I'm, <laughs> we, we all do. I'm so hard. Like I'm the worst at coaching myself, but yeah. getting better. Well, I think that like, yeah, part of that, that process is around when you, when you are a coach, and I, I've, I've sort of, as soon as I started training back sort of 10 years ago, strength and conditioning work, you start to all of a sudden, you know, you know a lot and you then have a lot of distraction when you almost in some ways, ignorance is bliss. If you don't know a lot to do, you put your trust wholeheartedly in somebody because you haven't got any yeah. other fear distractions. Yeah. But I've heard of a lot of people over, over years. It's something I've never really done is have somebody else program my training for me, which would probably hold me more accountable. But... I don't generally like being told what to do. So I prefer to have my own program. <laughs> yeah, and I, th- I think actually like leading that into so- some of my clients, it's actually, I think the most successful people have been the people who have been very good at analysing themselves and knowing who they are as a person and getting what they need from it. And I think for, for some people, they've perhaps come into it, into it expecting 
maybe a magic bullet or something that's going to solve their problems, which I just can't do for them. If I was going to say them, the main thing that you need to be successful in, in, in things in the, in the gym is going to be ownership and adherence and ownership being that regardless of how good my coach is, whether, whether my coach is bad or my coach is excellent, if I don't take ownership and drive adherence, there isn't going to be change and I'm not going to be successful. And part of a coach's job 100% is to help with that and do that. Um, but ultimately a coach can't do that for you. Um, but knowing yourself and knowing whether you like being told what to do and can really, it, if, if you can really be honest about yourself, you can definitely pick a better, um, a better education system and route for helping yourself. For example, um, if you know you're going to get irritated by someone constantly analyzing your videos and telling you to change stuff and it's going to stop you from training. So you're going to lose the adherence co component of the equation. Option two and three might not be the best for you at the moment. Um, and that might be, you need, you need to go down a route of actually asking yourself the question of why you don't like being told what to do and that's a big rabbit hole yeah yeah and, and it always is but um but just honesty with self is so key when it comes to training and success in training and sometimes you know i've had some people in the past that they've been on option one and for the life of me i've just really 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 wanted them to be on option two so I can go on a journey with them. So just to clarify for people that don't know, this yeah. is where we, we have some a, a couple of different options where Seth actually gets, depending on the sort of coaching, the amount, basically it's the number of coaching hours that's included, yeah. which means that the, the different packages mean that you actually get to support and spend more time and therefore do more individualization. Whereas the option one that Seth's referring to will literally be someone writing, writing a program and then yeah. you just crack on it by yourself. So it's like the, the, an entry level of going, here's a structured and progressive program. But if you actually want me to be able to spend some more time to make sure that you are progressing and it's being tweaked and altered, then that's where yeah. the, the different packages sort of come together. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, but yeah, knowing knowing yourself and knowing that um, you're going to need those tweaks regularly and you need someone to explain things to you, then you, that you need those coaching hours. Or, or if you're not going to have the coaching hours, you know, the virtual classroom, like there's so much stuff in there for you to be learning um, that you can clarify why the program is structured the way it is. And um, I mean, there'll be some questions that you can't get unless you actually ask me yourself, uh, myself, um, because everyone is individual. And, you know, every time I make a program, I'm actually kind of looking at what their lifestyle is like. You know, how many kids do they have? Do, do they do they even sleep well? And if they don't and they want to train five times a week, my advice is going to be you need to probably train less get rid of the kids <laughs> <laughs> that, that was Tim's advice <laughs> just I'm going to jump in on that one there so if, we, if someone's listening to this we talk about adherence to a training program which ultimately comes down to a little bit of self-discipline to, to a certain degree and, and, and we are all guilty of not having enough self-discipline what do we think and we can throw this open to the floor from us to just chat around of like how do we and what's our experience of, of adhering to a training program and putting consistency together mm. so that we actually move close to the things that we are working towards yeah, well, one one thing I've or sort of wanted to say as you're talking through this, we've had the conversation before about um, people wanting the, we might want what's the perfect um, training program for me or for or the particular movement. And actually the thing is often those two things that, Tim, uh, that Seth said, adherence and consistency, that if you 
the perfect pro you've said it before Tim the perfect program is the one that you're actually going to stick to yep. and it actually doesn't have to be um there, there is there is no the the the, the the bombshell is that there is no perfect program yeah, and far from it every diff, every coach would all you know if you've got 10 really good coaches they'd all write you 10 really good programs but they wouldn't all look the same there'd be some fundamental things the spine of it may obviously have a have the similarities but there would be differences because there's more than one way to skin a cat so to speak <laughs> um <laughs> exactly um and from from something from me recently that i I'd gone away from a lot because, and this is where just individualization comes. Like I know that I respond well to little, I'm, 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 I'm quite simple minded. Tell me you've done well, give me a bum tap. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and, and that, that I learned that quite a long time ago and I would set myself, um, little goals all the time before I started doing calisthenics. And I was quite, um, I like order and I'd be, have, I'd be quite sort of rigid with that sort of thing. But it came a point when I'd finished playing professional rugby where I, I wanted the freedom of like not having to do that. Uh, but something I've gone back to recently and, and not having those things definitely stopped my, prog- my progression, but it gave my, me some headspace and some, some room to sort of explore my own sort of self a little bit more through my training and whatnot where I've come back now and I've got a, I feel like I've got a better balance at the moment of I've got some goals um but before like when the program said four sets yeah. I had to do four sets I remember being with the with our S&C coach at, at the rugby club being like he'd be like right we're, no you're done and I'm like no 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 it says five I've only done four sets he'd be like yeah, yeah but you're done and I'm like I'd had this like weird complex mm-hmm. of like yeah, but what's going to happen if I don't do the other yeah. set? We've got a game at the weekend. And mm-hmm. in my head, for some reason, if I didn't do that, it was bad and it wasn't good. And I don't know, I had this yeah. weird complex around that. Whereas now I've got the, I have got some freedom around what I do. I probably, someone in the gym asked me the other day, he came up and he went, um, he's a basketball player and he was looking, he was looking at us and he was a handstand push at work and he was like, gets the whole idea that um, it's going to be better for his shoulders than an overhead press. Um but he was like, he wasn't quite sure where to start. And he was like, how many reps and sets are you doing? Like, how do you manage that? And I was like, well, if I was programming for somebody, it would be periodized over a certain number of weeks. I was like, for me at the moment, it's, it's a bit more like this and it's a bit loosey goosey, but something that I've gone back to is I've got some little goals and I did one today. One of my goals from handstand pushups was I went right back and I had to do, I said, I wanted to do, um, 10 handstand pushups against the wall, controlled head all the way down. And actually set myself the goal of, no, Jackie, you've got to do 12 rather than 10, um, just to over-egg that before moving on. And then um, freestanding handstand push-ups, it was one, initially, before I get on to three, four, five, it was one, controlled, down to the bottom, with a pause, before coming back up. And I did that today. And like I feel good about it. More because, and like, even when I did it, but if I'd have not written down that as a little goal, and I'm going to tick it off on my phone later, I wouldn't, I still would have been happy with it, but it's just having that, like, just, I know that myself, that's how I work, that I feel, because I've got this thing to tick off, I feel better about it. And then that's helping me with the rest of my training moving forward. So exploring that and having some of the, having, finding out, as you said, Seth, where you're at, what do you respond well to? And then having the ability to, I guess, to, to try out different things. Yeah, so that's definitely. certainly helped me. 
This is a customer service announcement. Uh, Jacko speaking. And we'd like to tell you about the new free eight-week beginners program now available inside the virtual classroom to help you get started on your calisthenics journey. Jacko, that sounds fun, W Dozy. To sign up for free, go to virtual classroom at schoolofcalisthenics.com. I think there's definitely more to talk on that kind of stuff in terms of reward that we'll come back to in a moment. But I just want to touch back to what Jacko said, which is really going. This is really going to help a lot of people, whether you're following a plan from whether from anyone online, or if it's from me, or if it's from one of the eBooks, or if you've written your own plan. Is the plan can't predict the future, and and Jacko said he had this idea in his mind that he needed to do those reps, otherwise you know, he wouldn't be able to play well at the weekend or something like that. And, and and that kind of thinking can really bog you down and cause you to be really ineffective. And so when we come around to this idea of just that there isn't a perfect plan, it, it's more that there's an imperfect plan, but you can use the plan wisely or unwisely. And a wise way to use your plan is to is monitor yourself, monitor your fatigue levels, monitor your performance, monitor your mood. So say, for example, you get into the gym and you've got a plan from Seth that says do X, Y and Z, but you haven't slept and you're stressed out and there's just a few lifestyle factors that are just, you, you know, you haven't got the strength in you. Well, already the, the increase of injury, if you've been sitting, say if you've been sitting down all day and you've been in an office job and, and just going crazy, trying to overdo it in the gym is probably not the best idea. And you may have to just put a big cross through that workout for that week and just be okay with it. But by the end of your 12 weeks, of, if, you've, if, you, if you periodize for 12 weeks, that cross on that workout that you didn't do was a better choice than forcing yourself to put a tick there and saying you did it perfectly. Um, because like a, every time I make a program for someone, I can't tell what they what their Thursday in six weeks time is going to be like and just know how strong they've got in the next six weeks so so it's suggestive like it's all based on really good science really good periodization science everything that we do is based on that but we are not at all ever saying that it's cutthroat like that always it's gospel that if you don't do that last one rep on that Thursday in six weeks time you're never going to get a muscle up it just doesn't work like that. Well, I think this is like going, going down the line of we need to take a much bigger view of what training is about. And we've talked a fair amount about this of, of going, yes, consider everything else that's on, going on in your life and everything else, like your, your central nervous system, emotional state, your stress, your fatigue that you've had, that's all builds into how you, how you feel. And then what does that ref- what does it say about us if we go into the gym and we have to train and we've, we're just gonna everything's getting we're getting more stressed if we train it starts to point towards how yeah. what our emotional state or our health how healthy is our relationship with physical exercise yeah. and Jacko sort of has really put this into into context when you you've talked a fair bit around sort of training being an enjoyable part of your life not your yeah. everything not your identity and that's a really difficult thing I've been there before and it's actually having had Jack um that's what's broke that for me because I all of a sudden couldn't focus just on that all the time. I had there was I didn't have control over my own time for it for quite a while. It's still difficult now. I didn't have the energy to be able to do what I wanted to do. And I still have goals, but I'm far more relaxed about them now because it, training fits in and it 
yeah. I think I'm moving to a much healthier place and it's less obsessive and people will be like, people who are more entrenched in that will probably look at it and go, yeah, but you're not training that hard, are you? You're not doing that well. You're not really pushing yeah. towards you. No, no, I am. But I'm also kind of like really pushing hard in business and family and yeah. like other things as well. And, and I'm like all in on trying to be the best I can be from a training perspective. I want to achieve harder things in calisthenics. I want to move better. But that it's not about, I always say to athletes, like it's not about what you do one week. It's not about one set in the gym. What do you consistently do over three, six, 12 months? Yeah. And reality is for us in, in a Paralympic sport over, or, or performance sport, what is it doing over four years? And if it's your second cycle, what have you done for the last eight years? Like it's, yeah. we, we sometimes try to micro reduce everything down to one session. We've got all these reps and sets. If I don't, if I miss a session, it's the same thing when we speak to people about like, Oh, no, I train every day. I couldn't possibly not train every day. And we're like, you know how important rest is? Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, what are yeah, you boys yeah. think about that? Yeah, no, and I, that, that thing of me saying um, training should enhance your life rather than take over, it comes from a place, and that, I, that thing around identity, because it comes from a place where I've been Jacko, the rugby player, and distraught when I didn't play. Like, my, I was in a real battle at phases during my rugby career where... I was happy when we played well, and I was miserable when we played yeah. badly. And it was that you was take it. At home, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 It was like it, it was. And that then affects everything else. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it was literally in control. Like I wasn't in control of my own happiness, and that's like that's a bad place to be. Um, and we want to be in a place where we are in control um, of our happiness. And I just think that's so important. Um, yeah, definitely. I, in the blog that I, I wrote to a kind of a company, I think what's going to go with this podcast, I just mentioned one of the secrets for me, at least, has been not making training the center of my life and actually kind of letting it feed into and, and help the rest of my life. So in terms of creating rewards through achieving goals in calisthenics, that that kind of feeds into enjoying the rest of my life. And um, in the blog, I kind of explain the period of my life that I've been in recently of um, now being married, but I'm a long way from my wife and I'm currently trying to be a good husband in the first period of being married um, over a phone. And and actually, if I go, OK, I'm just going to use exercise to keep me happy because, you know, there's endorphin, there's endorphin release and that kind of stuff. But I'm a terrible husband. I'm not putting effort into that. The result of that is stress stress related to my marriage of being a terrible husband and not loving my wife appropriately and that's going to come back and bite me and then what if exercise is going to become my little addiction to keep me happy eventually the novelty of that's going to wear off and we know that from neuroscience that if you're going to be anything that's an obsessive addiction eventually the novelty runs off and it becomes dampened and becomes numb and and when then look back at it i used exercise to kind of cover up for the fact that i just wasn't putting some time into being a good husband um in this period of my life and actually that's what i have been doing i've actually been able to get back into training um i was sick for quite a while so i couldn't train and so i had to put my effort into something else and yeah right now i'm in a much better place because i chose to invest into my relationship with my wife and to actually learn some new things and um you know spend time with family whilst i'm home in england and those things have all paid off that i've been injury free I've stopped being sick I was sick before because of stress related things and my immune system being weak because of that and I was still trying to train and I was still trying to send videos to clients and do things that I didn't have the strength for while I was sick um, so actually coming all the way back around to actually the simple things of life um, of 
I'm married now. I've made this choice. This is a really important thing in my life that buys back into my training. So even if training is your primary thing in your life, be a good husband because it will come back and reward that training. Yeah. And I think that I'm just, as we were talking and you're going through that, I was just reminding, being reminded of like an analogy that we'd, if we're talking about training the body, like for good, like the body was designed to move and, we might think of um, when we're trying to explain and learn like anatomy, we'll look at the bicep and we we'll go, the bicep does elbow flexion. And then we go, it's okay, that's that's what that does. But it's within this system that is, there's stuff below it, above it, and everything, everything is involved. Um, yet when we, so like we don't, rather than just training something in isolation, it's like everything around it matters and everything around it can help improve it even if you want to just improve that one thing and the the fact that um training is an area of our life that obviously all of us really enjoy and people listening really enjoy but it's you as a person are made up of all these different things that are all going to have a massive effect on each other and so if you go into a training session happy because you just had a great day at work like you're gonna have a better training session and you're miserable because you had a rubbish day at work or yeah. you had an argument with your wife or you know you maybe your wife just called you a moron because you took the wrong turning at a junction or something i too. couldn't imagine whether that would happen <laughs> <laughs> or you know or you hit the curb because that's something you tend to tend to do because you've got a big van and it takes up too much room and, i mean the tires on that thing are massive um and uh yeah and i just and i think one thing that is one thing that's uh, I'm sure resonate with people and, and I'm sure it resonate with Tim now that one of the, just going back just one little step to that idea of like being able to do the right number of reps around the program or going into the gym and like you were saying, Seth, knock, uh, go, knocking a session on the head when it, when it feels crap is difficult when you're in a space where you've learned, say, frog to handstand, got it nailed down mm. three weeks ago, had on lockdown, two weeks ago, felt great. Last week, uh, I got there. This week, can't do it. And you're like, panic. Hold on. Have I lost the ability to do this thing? I've worked so hard. You might have spent two years working on this thing. And rather than making the rational decision going, actually, over the last three weeks, gradually it's got worse and therefore I must be fatigued. You go, crack, I might not be able to do this thing. And then you chase it for the session, trying to prove to yourself you can still do it. And I know that's something that then becomes really hard to just take the discipline to go no think sensibly i have i have done it before and all, i'd probably actually say the other thing is it's not the end of the world if you didn't because uh, something that you can something that you can uh, you've learned before is much easier to learn again and ultimately i've said this a few times in podcasts recently whatever you can do now and whatever things you're going to be able to do in the future at some point you won't be able to do them so yep. you need to be comfortable jacko with not being able to do a human flag like and just the sooner you get comfortable with it, it might be when you're 90. I hope I can push it that long, or will I? I don't know. But the but it's going to happen at some point. Um, and then my final point about this uh, about the this whole thing around training and perfect training. That um, remember a story, and I, I never met him. I think maybe played against him in a preseason once. But Jordan Murphy, uh, our, our SNC coach, was really uh, good mates with him. He was at Leicester Tigers for forever. Probably one of their best ever fullbacks. I played for Ireland um, I think probably played for British Lions as well he used to say him in the gym he would always hold two reps back always 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 and he was basically never injured and it was like some people say if you said you'd never went to failure and always held two reps back there'd be lots of people yep. and you could quote research about you saying that that is not a good strategy but then 
there's some to say that, well, and clearly he was to say that that was a great strategy for him and that if you want to get strong and you want to get good at something, um, it, there isn't just one set way of doing it and just that idea of those 10 reps and whether you do nine or 11, yeah. like which one of those is going to be right. And it might be just a great day and you feel amazing. So like on the I went we had a workshop on Saturday absolutely goosed afterwards but buzzing went running on Sunday we did a six and a half K run or something I was expecting to be really tired and was like oh just be a dead social thing yeah don't worry I'll go dead slow there was three of us going I felt amazing I don't know why but I was like I'm going to go a bit faster then rather than just take it easy and if it feel good like go for it if you're not feeling but at the same time that's easy to go go hard when you feel good but when you feel bad then you've got to give yourself, and this is this is literally just a pep talk to myself, when you feel bad, Jacko, give yourself the freedom, just take it easy. Yeah, and that's definitely been like our story as, as we've trained together over the last few years, that we've all been caught up with that. And I think part of it perhaps comes down to we don't necessarily think about fatigue um, that well all the time. For example, we, we understand that if I've done a workout for an hour, I'm eventually going to get so tired after doing loads of pull-ups, I can do no more pull-ups. And we're okay with that. So we go, cool, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to beat myself up because I've done loads. Yeah, I so don't I'm believe fatigued. I can't do a pull-up anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's brilliant. It's right, brilliant. Right. Great example. So, exactly, so we think like that. I've, like I've done a handstand push-up. I've done loads of handstand push-ups today. Now I can't do them because I've just done loads of them. But two days time, I come into the gym, I'm stressed and tired. I'm just not feeling great. And we go, whoa, geez, I've lost the ability to do that thing. And it's like, no, that's just, you don't understand fatigue. You've forgotten the effect of lifestyle factors and how the, the human is. It's not an all time, like every time you walk into the gym, the first time, first thing you do is going to be perfect. Performance is not always there. And that's why there's been so much periodization science over the years. That's why you have incredible shocks in sport where the favorite losers randomly out of nowhere, because all of a sudden they just didn't have a good day. And that, that's how it is. That's how the human body is. There's so many different factors. It's complicated. And um, destroying yourself based on that is just not a great route to go down. I remember when I was, I was learning the frog to handstand and I'd had some injuries. And at the time I was working for the military and doing loads of crazy hours. And one day I'd be, oh man, I can, I can do it, Jacko. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, and he'd be like, oh, okay, show me try and show him and I'd be like oh no <laughs> not, not only couldn't I show him I couldn't even get out of a frog stand so I'd just take my knees off and I'd collapse and then I'm like well no in two days I've got to teach at the class and now I've, my, my wrist is hurting which I damaged and then I know on Thursday I've got a long day for the military so then I'm going to be coming in tired and I've got to demonstrate and all of a sudden I'm beating myself up on this stuff and I guess that comes down to you know ego and actually being I'm able to take the hit and be like, you know what? For some people, according to Instagram, they can always do everything. Or I'm going to sit in the real world and have a conversation with this person who's in front of me and be like, hey, actually, I, I can't do it today, genuinely. And these are perhaps the reasons. And, you know, if you've ever going to get to that stage, you know, be encouraged. You will get back to a good day where you're going to perform well and it's okay. And, um, yeah, just bringing that touch of reality back to... Uh, training yeah I, I think it, it's it comes down to maturity where you you I've, I've mean some of the skills that I've worked on particularly on my hand balancing has been that story entirely like I, I put out a video analysis recently of me doing a, a forearm uh, or a, a tiger bone push-up 
And the first time I ever did that, and I put it on social, obviously, as you do, uh, <laughs> that's what you do when you do a tag band push up, you put it on social before you do anything else, um, was January 2016, because I was in Thailand on training camp. Like, I, I knew exactly, and I can still see exactly where I was, and I know when I did it. And I put it up, and I'd done one, and it, it was probably cleaner, if you want to argue, but there's a number of reasons for that. But it's now, let's put it in my safe, June, May, June 2019, it's three years ago, I haven't had that move on lot for yeah. three years it's come and gone and there's sometimes when I'm at my planche positions my straddle planche I go out there and I'll test it and I'm like no not today not yeah. doing that today because it just doesn't feel great and then sometimes I go out there and do you know what that does feel good I'm going to do a couple more sets but I'm so much more fluid with it and, and programming just to go back to the original sort of conversation it's an art and a science yeah. there are scientific variables that we need to follow to get adaptation and there are bits of things I'm working on now for example my front lever where I've got to hit numbers like it is about intensity and volume because I need to get a physical adaptation so when it's a basic movement let's talk about like from a pull up or a dip or anything which is just foundational strength your basic strength training variable is going to work well. When it's a skill component and the skill element goes up or you're linking a complex movement together like a front lever or a handstand push-up where there's a lot of variables, then you've got way more to consider. Just pulling yourself above a bar and a pull-up, you can probably do those most days of the week. You're not going to get a PB every day of the week because you wouldn't expect to do a PB on squat every day of the week. But it's, it's understanding when you're doing something complex and the skill fatigue and the central nervous system that is playing a big role in all of that sort of emotional state and everything. Um, sometimes it's just not days to train complex skills. Yeah. Some days it is. Some days it's a great day just to do basics. Yeah. And some days it's a good idea to go out there, do a little bit and go, you know what, I feel shocking. I'm yeah. going to do something else. And, and what, I just, what I don't want people to hear from this is like, oh, we're saying don't train. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> like, and don't train hard. We're not saying that either. It's under, about, as to your point, Seth, understanding your body, taking a bigger bird's eye view of going, this is not one session. It's not the be all or an end all of my entire identity as a calisthenics yeah. trainer, athlete, if you want to call yourself that. Um, just you, you're going you're gonna to fight another day and just let it be sometimes but when you feel good knock it out of the park yeah when we had um si monster probably one of the greatest the guys and that you were saying earlier today seth like the first guy you saw doing calisthenics when he took when he when he was on the podcast and you were asking about we asked him about sort of his training and how he, his approach to it he has that approach in that he's pretty loosey-goosey with how he how many reps and sets of things that he does understands the science of the adaptation trying to create but then goes on feel um, and I think that the, just touching on what Tim just yeah what Tim said last that this conversation has come about from three guys that generally probably if anything's going to happen it will be overtraining. But if you're someone that um, for whatever reason, whatever circumstances, you only probably train once a week, then the the, the solution of you is understanding your own circumstances and figuring out okay how I really really get one session in sometimes none. I'm not making progress because it's not because I'm overtraining. Yeah. I need to figure out how can I um, fit in additional work and training throughout the week that is something that I can adhere to, like you said before, and be consistent with. And it might be 15 minutes here, half an hour there, or whatever it may look at. Maybe it's a maybe it's a location thing. You've always trained at the gym, and actually circumstances now where well, you need a solution at home, and you need to just you know spend a day digging a hole and sticking some uh, upright so you can have a pull-up bar at home in your garden or whatever <laughs> yeah. it may be um but that just that just goes all full circle back around to what seth said at the beginning around understanding yourself and what you where you're currently at and then what you need to move forward yeah definitely and 
spinning back around to my good friend Stephen Morton, who's been yeah, <laughs> my yeah. most successful client. Um, he, he, the shining light. The shining light of online coaching. He, he trains three days a week when he did that first program. Three days a week. Most people would tell you that's nowhere near enough. To fill in three different movements, three times a week. Um, sometimes he'd put in an extra session of four. But realistically, loads of people would tell you that's nowhere near enough. But he knows the season that he's in. And I'm, I'm telling you that it, like some people respond better to five times a week. Some people respond way better to three times a week. Um, talking from my own experience, my kind of background in training is through martial arts and boxing. And you just do tons of everything until it hurts, until like you've got you know, you've lost feeling, you've got numbness down your, down your arm and your neck hurts. And that's when the first rep starts then. At that yeah, point, literally. No, no, but that is genuinely the kind of ethos I was brought up on in terms of training, um, at a local, a local gym in, in Nottingham. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Name, and nameless. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, all the guys there, like they're all broken, but they was all on steroids and, and that, that was going to be the route that I was going to go down. But my body could manage it. I was young enough, but man, I ruined my body through those years. I, I remember boxing for years with a numb left arm and my, and my left arm just became this thing that just kind of floated in front of people's faces, just to like <laughs> kind of distract them. And, and I thought it was fine because, you know, I've got to be, I'm, I'm boxing. Because you know? <laughs> my right arm was killer. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You Knockout. <laughs> like fly fishing with his left arm. All of a sudden, big king hit comes from the right. <laughs> that, that, literally, that I've seen boxers that have become professional boxers and they've, they've literally done a professional career like that and it's sad because now they're just absolutely crippled and after that after I kind of got it got so bad um now when I train I really do err towards kind of trying not to overtrain because now I've realized that I respond way better uh, to doing less but be more efficient with that less um, so for a guy who's come from like volume-based training and being good at volume-based training and obviously I progressed and got really fit and all that kind of stuff and I could do some pretty cool things, all of it was with pain. All of it was with pain, you know, every single day of the week. I remember um, being 18 years old at that nameless gym that will remain nameless, doing a session, then my mates came and doing another session straight afterwards on the same body part and it's just like it's so crazy but my mind was so set on that kind of thing and I know loads of people are going to have that but honestly for the re you're going to have a mess for the rest of your life trying to sort it out um, and it's just it just really isn't worth it yeah, it's when you're young. It just reminds me. I remember being at Loughborough, and uh, I named the in, in Powerbase because that's pretty. There was literally like Olympic athletes training around you potentially sometimes. But I remember going to the gym with a few of us when there's one that someone's mate was going to come along, and he was like, "Oh, what are you doing?" And we're like, "Well, bench." Obviously, and he was like, <laughs> and "He was like, oh, I did bench yesterday," and then he went, "I'll do it again today." <laughs> And <laughs> just like no thought process around the fact that like we're doing it back to back days, let alone back to back yeah, sessions. Yeah. Uh, but when you're young, no one does back sessions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know, it's an interesting conversation. It does come from this place of just having played a lot with different variables. And there'll be people out there that listen to this that are sort of like you say, Jack, are doing one session a week. Some people that I have conversations with are doing six or seven days a week training. And it's all about just trying to, you are using yourself as an experiment is a great idea. Like yeah. see what is the perfect recipe. And we apply the same principles to nutrition because everyone's different. Uh, there are some key principles that we need to bear in mind. But the, the, the key yep. thing is like try something reflect on it but don't get entrenched in that becoming the only way I've got to do more and more and more if I'm going to start to improve and achieve my goals because it's not speaking from experience it's um it's not the answer for everybody there are periods of time like you talk about well um training consistency sometimes I do one session a week if it's if we're super busy and then this week I probably train four times which is arguably worse because I'm all over the place but that's just what my life is like at the moment and I've try and do these little find these little solutions. Twenty minutes at home, fifteen minutes at home. Um, well, Jack and I had just had a conversation um, this week. We've we've obviously launched a mobility and movement masterclass um, recently. But I was, we had that to your point, Seth. Around if you're training really hard, great, you're doing some volume and you, you're sort of knocking it out of the park on that front. But if you're constantly in pain or constantly having to go to a physio to get put back yep. together, what you're doing, your body doesn't like. Yeah. Because the, 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 the symptom of, of, of that is, is pain. Like the, if the body's not happy, if the joints are breaking down, the brain is going to tell us that we're, that we're not in a good state and we're going to be in pain. From a longevity perspective, which we're big on because, yeah, I'm getting older, but also just understanding more. About, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> or just understanding a little bit more philosophical about training. That it's not all about chest day three times a week and biceps, but actually what do I want? in my life is to move well and I want to be strong and I want to be stable and I want to do some cool stuff. And that just kind of has very much changed my perspective of, of, of what it means to, to train smart. You know, people use yeah. that a lot all the time, but how, what does training smart look like? Yeah. Last question to floor. Well, they, I just, <laughs> well, I wanted to just say that, that when you were saying about trying things out, that the fact that if you're listening to this and you're, um, a professional athlete and you are therefore have a certain thing that you need to be very good at um, and it probably goes back to mm-hmm. that sort of specialist versus generalist uh, the podcast with We Move can't remember, remember what the Move number you. of that was off the top of your head Tim 68 I don't no. know I'm guessing um, no Move You something like that We Move We Move oh We Move um, and anyway the, um, that then you you can still I'd still encourage you to like try the, there must be some space in, this, in the regime to be able to try something out because something might be better than what we're currently doing but for the vast majority of us now we aren't professional athletes so why wouldn't we practice and explore different things see what is something else better than you currently do do you enjoy it even more it might be you might like CrossFit more than you like calisthenics but if you don't try it you're not going to know I know I'm just sending someone away from us now with that but like if you do try stuff out. You're going to find out what you like more. You're going to learn way more rather than being rigid and putting yourself in a little box. So even to that point, though, from a, a, a professional athlete perspective, if we break it down to what for us a Paralympic cycle would look like, year one of that cycle, if it's a new athlete coming or we're, we've just come off the back of a Games, okay, let's just kind of get over the previous year. Let's readjust. Let's try a few things. Because there's no point, if we're going to be better and we're going to produce some a better performance than what we did in the previous Games that's just passed in, in our timeline, which is going to be likely that we're going to have to do that because the rest of the world is going to move on. So we need to PB in four years' time on the right day. We're going to have to do something different. So we spend the first year sort of playing around, exploring some stuff. The second year, we do a little bit more of that with a bit more structure. And then by the third year, we roll the plan. 
World Championship year, the third year of a cycle, we go, this is what we're going to do. We're going to roll a recipe. And what that means is when we get to year four, where we have got a specific job that we need to do, we know what we're doing. So everybody, the coaching team, the athlete, goes into year four of that cycle going, this, this works. And if we nail this plan, we're going to deliver X performance because we've tested a few things. We've brought some new things to the table. We've rolled it for a season. And then the whole of the stress is off. But if you stay in that stage where we're just going to experiment and play, because we don't, I don't have to be at my best in four years' time. It's not my career. But so we still use those principles even in a pro sport setting. Yeah, so I, I, for, for me, in terms of smart training, um, is first of all, just trying to put it into a place in your life that's appropriate. And um, for all of us, that's going to look different. Um, for some people, that it's going to be much more important, like a, a professional athlete. And, and of course, if you want to have this as a more central role in your life than we're kind of, it sounds like we're making it, you know, by all means, um, you can go there. Um, but my, my suggestion from, from the way I do things is, is working on a reward based system because just kind of understanding that from exercise, that there are rewards that can be had and that can help me feel great and live life better and be a better husband and better brother and just a better person generally. And that's why, why I love calisthenics from, I came into calisthenics from traveling a lot and not having equipment. And then realized by doing movement based stuff, I've got so many things to learn. I've got so many rewards to be had. And as I achieve those things, I feel the sense of reward, which helps me go away happier. Now, what I'm trying not, I'm not trying to just then build it as an addiction where I'm just kind of just always running to that obsessively. I'm still in control. I'm taking control of that thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm running with the perspective that this is building into the wholeness of my life. If it needs to drop at any point, then it drops, but it feeds into the, the full health of my life and kind of knowing at what point it's actually degrading the quality of my life and being okay with that and then putting my time to something else like learning a different skill or spending more time at home with a family or, vi or flying home from one country to see my family in the other country. Um, those things are more important and they're going to have better buyback in my life. Um, so I think training smart all these conversations I'm, all this stuff I'm kind of saying now is probably relevant for most everyday people who aren't professional athletes so it's actually first take the limelight off your training seriously take your limelight onto your family your work situation your passions your, uh, your fears all those things and do some self-analysis get a journal do some uh, looking at yourself and kind of find a place where this fits in and then use it as a tool to enhance your life because uh, it can help with that. But it's also not the magic bullet for happiness either, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. And on, uh, and on that bombshell, <laughs> shall we say, um, well, thank you, Seth, for coming um, onto the podcast again. We hope everyone listening um, that you will be encouraged to do some of that self-analysis, self-awareness and actually um, look at ways that you can take what we've discussed and implement the bits of that that's relevant to you to help you improve not just your training, but your life. Yeah, I think my, my takeaway thoughts on that is that hopefully it's not come across as too confusing because we've gone sort of like, we have gone down a rabbit hole, to yeah. be fair. Mm. But in a good way, it's always going to happen. Like a philosophical thing of just understanding a little bit more about yourself, taking a step back um, and just reevaluating things and moving place pieces into, into different priorities potentially. And don't take this away that we don't train and we're not actually that bothered about training. Like I literally have got my most of my life in my house is structured around my ability to train. There's bars, <laughs> I mean, around, there's rings, like I make jack. 
don't make with Jack Train. Jack swings in the rings. I encourage, <laughs> I encourage you to do more of it. You count the, you count the number of times. Sets. Yeah, exactly. Two more, Jack. Two yeah, more. Exactly. Come on, you can do another one. That was more good. Um, no one can do it again. Um, no, but but these are training is a very much a central part of our life, and it's something we take a huge amount of enjoyment from, and it's something that we chase. But I think it's it's again we are learning and becoming better, more balanced people when we put it into more perspective. So totally keep training, keep that as a passion, keep the fire because it is so good for you. The benefits are there to be had, as Seth says. But we also know that our happiness stems from a little bit wider um, than just training alone, and we need everything around us if we're going to um, live a really full happy life and that includes jobs and family and, and all of the stuff that we social life and all of the sort of stuff that we hold dear and makes us happy and brings enjoyment if you don't follow seth on instagram make sure you do follow seth seth underscore bear have i got that right correct yes and if uh, if you are interested in having uh, his tutelage which i learned how to spell the other day um with an e somewhere in the middle I was because tutor is O R. That was interesting. You can only there's only three online options. All the details for that are on the website, and we'll make sure the links are in the show notes. But you can get um, a personalised program from him. In in while well, all of this, all of them have a personalised program, which is not just filling in a questionnaire. You actually get on a call with him, um, a video call, and you go through that, and he will dissect everything that you need for um, for a training program and put that and, and customize that and design that specifically uh, for you and then the 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 upgraded options two and three are um, that that ongoing coaching support where um, you use a coaching app and you can upload videos and, and get that feedback and those touch points and get the the program uh, altered and changed as as needed as and when um, under Seth's guidance. So thank you, Seth, for coming on to the podcast. Seth would really love it if you would go and give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is that you uh, listen to the podcast, wouldn't you, Seth? Yeah, I would absolutely love that. If you just add it, Can you add comments on there? Yeah, 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 yeah and add like a, a nice comment on there for uh, Jacko. And uh, just maybe bring, maybe like there could be a little bit of a social push for his uh, ponytail to come back. That's one thing I'd love to see. Stop that. <laughs> But yeah, and if you've got any questions for Seth or us, then you can find us to say on on Instagram or, or on email, wherever uh, you like to consume the content. Um, we'd love to hear from you, um, help you with your training, or just let us know what you thought of the podcast and the ideas that we were sharing. So, other than that, Tim, there's nothing else to say. Until next time, class dismissed. <laughs>